Check, check. Okay, here we go. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Oh, man, look at that hair. Science as fuck. And look at that coat move. Welcome to Science AF. I'm your host, Dr. Chacho. And I'm still not a doctor. Is it legal for me to say that? I haven't found out yet. Science AF is a podcast and YouTube series slash show slash news slash comedy about science, uh, about the OMG of science, about the what the fuck of science, uh, sometimes about the laugh my ass off of science. We just like to take a look at what's happening in the world of cool, crazy, interesting science discoveries. Join me, won't you? Today we have to talk about, uh, let's go through real quick, the topics on the board. We're going to talk about T-Rex sociology. We're going to talk about self-replicating robots. Is that a good idea? Let's find out. We're going to talk about the whitest white paint ever devised and two new findings in particle physics that could change the course of standard model physics forever and it's about time finally there's a mother freaking helicopter on mars we're going to take a look at everything we know about nasa's ingenuity helicopter are we ready i'm ready are you i don't have any way of knowing that let's go to our first topic Dino sociology. Was T Rex a lone wolf or a social leader? Well, uh, misdirect for a, a, a title there. Uh, uh, this is really an article about how researchers used to think T Rex were uh, uh, lone wolves. They didn't actually think they were wolves, they thought they were dinosaurs who hunted alone. And actually, the lone wolf uh, 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 analogy it, it sucks because wolves don't tend to be lone. They tend to hunt in packs and stay in families and hang out together. Uh, lone wolves, well, you should be afraid of a lone wolf because that might be some crazy antisocial wolf that got cast out of the pack. Anyway, that's just a side item. This is about dinosaurs. Uh, uh, there's a new site, a new dinosaur site in Utah called the Rainbows and Unicorns site because uh, it is was named by 13-year-old uh, girl scientists. Um, they found a whole bunch of bones together 
of T-Rexes, a whole family of T-Rexes. They unearthed four, possibly five individuals of T-Rex, including a juvenile uh, and a fully developed adult. And who knows what the other two or three were. Um, but it seems to be that they were hanging out together. Why were they all dead in the same place? Good question. Um, they think it was probably, well, here's the, the theory uh, uh, from this uh, article. It says, um, where is this? Where is it where they said what happened to them? I think they, they said they drowned. Uh, well, somewhere in this story, it said, uh, uh, these four or five giant T-Rex dinosaurs, uh, um, uh, many years ago, what is it? 76 million years ago died together. Oh, here it is. Uh, Uh, researchers found the dinosaurs perished in a single flood event were buried in mud unearthed and then reburied in a sandbar I don't know what that unearthed and reburied stuff is all about um, I guess some uh, ancient uh, dinosaur scientists unearthed them and then reburied them in a sandbar I don't know that's probably not what that means that means that they died in a flood there was a big flood so deep that these tall dinosaurs which uh, if Jurassic Park is to be believed and it is not were probably about 15 20 feet tall when fully grown and so what does what they're saying basically is hey check it out t-rexes had friends they weren't just running around like crazy by themselves this is actually kind of terrifying that means did t-rexes hunt in packs well if they had families and they hung out together they probably did hunt in packs um, the idea that tyrannosaurs were social with complex hunting strategies was first formulated by Curie over 20 years ago. Not Madame Curie, but Philip Curie, renowned tyrannosaur expert. Um, it says here, world renowned. I don't know who that is, but uh, here's some pictures of the bones and uh, very cool new info about the pack behavior of giant ferocious dinosaurs. Now, if you, like me, still have nightmares about being chased by the T-Rex from Jurassic Park, here's some good news. New study finds T-Rex walked at a slow pace of three miles per hour. So they calculated the speed based on some 3D uh, modeling. And I don't know how they tell this, but uh, let's see. Paleontologist had suggested that the T-Rex clocked a top speed of 30 miles per hour and walking speed of 4.5 to 6.7 miles per hour. Now, research from the Netherlands have used computer reconstruction to estimate that the walking speed was much slower, about 3 miles per hour. It doesn't say 
Does it say what the running speed? It doesn't say what the running speed is, but rest assured that if, uh, oh, here's a nice animation. If you're watching this on YouTube, I have an animation of a T-Rex walking and it's um, very slow as expected, as advertised, slow animation of a T-Rex. Anyway, so I looked this up. The average human running speed is 28. A horse, average horse running speed 55, dog 30, cat 30. Basically what I'm saying is if a T-Rex comes after you, run, motherfucker. Next topic. Robo evolution. Um, here's a... Um, disturbing headline from digitaltrends.com evolving self-replicating robots are here but don't worry about an uprising okay first of all digitaltrends.com don't tell me what to worry about that's a terrible headline it's very worrying very worrying indeed but this is really about it's not it's also a bad headline because that's not really what this is it's not about self-replicating robots what the term self-replicating robots implies is that a robot is made, it knows how to make more of itself, and each one of those knows how to make more of themselves ad infinitum. And then you have exponential, terrifying robot uh, growth. But that's, that's not what this is. It's, this is actually kind of cool, despite the panicky, panic-inducing headline, Digital Trends. It's a robot that builds smaller robots. It's not self-replicating. It doesn't make itself. Uh, that's just wrong, Digital Trends. You're just wrong about that. It's, it's a robot that makes smaller robots, and it has AI to, um, well, uh, uh, to eventually be able to evolve the robots that it's making. This doesn't mean that robots are re reproducing themselves and evolving. It may be a step towards that. But what we have here is a big robot with a 3D printer that makes smaller robots. And uh, the idea being that if we sent these to Mars or another planet and it started building tiny robots, and then they found out, well, the sand is a little too coarse here to get any traction on these robots. The AI will go, oh, let's build slightly different robots. So the idea is it can build robots, learn how well they work in the environment, and then evolve using AI to build better robots in the next generation. That's a type of robot uh, uh, evolution, but not self-replicating in any sense of the word. Here is the YouTube video. It sounds terrible, but that is a 3D printer printing what looks like a green dildo. And now a giant arm is attaching uh, what looked like red Legos to the dildo. I want to go to this person's uh, website. It's uh, Alan Winfield is the uh, uh, is from the uh, he's a professor of cognitive robotics 
in the Bristol Robotics Lab at the University of West England. And this is the Autonomous Robot Evolution, or R project. Here's Winfield's log, blog, web blog, which can be shortened to blog. And he describes what's going on here. There's 3D printers. There's an organ bank. Okay, that sounds uh, visceral. There's one big robot arm and an assembly area. Okay, that's kind of what we saw in that video. Uh, robot arm, gripper, 3D printers. There's three of them. Skeleton on print bed. An organ bank. You could use less... Uh, human anatomy terms for these things, but it's kind of cool. Organs means, so they're going to have pieces that are like, uh, this is just like actually like Capsella. What I played with it when I was a kid, it's you have one little capsule that they're calling an organ that, that's a wheel, and you have another capsule that's uh, uh, got a motherboard in it, and you have a capsule that's got Bluetooth, and you have a capsule that's... Uh, I don't know, they got a rotor on it or something to make drones. So the organs are pieces of things, little uh, uh, little jobbies, little uh, pre-made pieces that can do jobs. And so I want to show this video again. Um, this is ARE's proof of concept video you can find on YouTube. And Here's the thing in action. So it builds these, in this case, red skeletons. And then it inserts organ modules. Let's turn that way the fuck down. Because uh, why have such loud ambient sound when nobody's telling you any information? So it adds the organs on there one at a time. Bloop, bloop. Uh... It plugs the wires in. Look, this is pretty cool. It's plugging the wires in from the component to component. Very much like the toys I had when I was a kid. Except I was the mechanical arm back then. And then, uh, cheaters, you have a person come in and finish it off by putting the wheels on. Okay, we got a little ways to go before this is a fully functioning robot maker without a person involved. But the idea is, uh, yeah, we could send these things to other planets and sort of let them try to figure out the best, the most uh, successful configuration of robots for that place and uh, start making them. Pretty cool. Uh, I agree that there's that there's no need to worry about an uprising right now, but also uh, get better at headlines, digital trends. Next topic. The whitest paint ever could block the sun. Okay, well, it's not Mr. Burns. Uh, the whitest paint ever could reflect the sun it should say this is from popular mechanics.com hey popular mechanics.com write better headlines uh the whitest paint ever reflects more sunlight and it can cool 
it says the earth here in this article, but more like it can cool uh, buildings or whatever you paint it with. Pretty cool. Um, the whitest paint ever. And the idea of the whitest paint ever is to reflect the most number of light, the most uh, 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 photons, mostly from the sun, but just ambient photons in general, reflect the highest percentage of them back where they came from. And it's not a mirror. A mirror is almost 100% reflective. Uh, white paint is not 100% reflective and it, and it, uh, 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 it scatters. So the difference between white paint and a mirror is white paint scatters. Uh, a mirror uh, uh, reflects a, a coherent uh, light waves or particles. Um, the twist with this ultra white paint is the barium sulfate, including a different particle sizes, which means more unpredictable surface area coverage that bounces even more light. Okay, that's cool, but what could it do? Um, the new paint reflects 98% of sunlight, which is a vast improvement over the second whitest white, 95.5. Uh, used to be on top, but now you're a loser, 95.5. Okay, so what does this mean? Good. This is a good environmental story. This could help keep the earth cooler, cooler if we use it to reflect more sunlight. Um, it's more of a micro rather than a macro thing, though. Um, paint can keep surfaces 19 degrees Fahrenheit cooler than the ambient surroundings. It can cool surfaces 8 degrees below their surroundings under uh, 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 strong sunlight. Um, in the middle of winter, an outdoor test with an ambient temperature of 43 degrees. The paint still managed to lower the sample temperature by 18 degrees. Yeah, but what's it going to do inside your house? Um, if you use this paint to cover a roof area of about a thousand square feet, and you know, uh, if you have a thousand square feet roof area, uh, uh, congratulations. We estimate that you could get a cooling power of 10 kilowatts. So, yeah, that's more powerful than the central air in most houses. Well, cool. So, it's whiter and it's cooler, and you can save some bucks on your energy bill or if you live in a really hot sunny place this would be a very good investment and uh, since we were talking about the whitest white ever i just wanted to take a look black back at uh vanta black remember vanta black the blackest black paint ever um this was from a few years ago we talked about it in this podcast a long time ago but if you paint something such as this crinkled aluminum foil with Vanta Black, you can't see the crinkles because why? Because no light is reflecting off it. It's crazy. It just looks like a void. This is like a portable hole that uh, Bugs Bunny slaps on a wall. That's what Vanta Black looks like. This is a, a BMW painted with Vanta Black. You can't see any details of the car. It just looks like a blob uh, outside of the wheels and and windows um very cool the blackest black and the whitest white uh, uh if you wanted to know vanta black is now on uh for sale on the internet you can buy uh i guess a spray can or or uh, a paint can of the blackest black no word on yet 
when the whitest white will be available. That was Extreme Chromology. Next topic. Muon Accelerology. If you're thinking about writing in to let me know that accelerology is not a word, uh, please write that email. There's two new findings in physics. This is exciting. Uh, we have... I mean, there's always new findings in physics. We're still trying to figure out the grand unified theory of everything. Uh, the standard model of physics is fairly complete, but it's known to not know about everything. It's incomplete, okay? Let's just get it out of the way. The standard model is incomplete. We uh, we know that there's, there's matter, and matter is comprised of... Uh, uh, particles that are like quark, uh, m mostly uh, uh, quarks. You know, there's uh, uh, you know up quark, down quark, uh, uh, strange quark, beauty quark. But some things like electrons aren't made of quarks. They're their own fundamental particle, and muons are much like electrons except bigger but they don't consist of any quarks let's just take a look real quick at the wikipedia for muon uh a muon is a uh uh uh, uh, uh it's a lepton okay similar to an electron electric charge of minus one spin of half but basically it's it's a bigger electron and the reason it's cool is because uh they're hard to make here on Earth, but they come from cosmic rays and they they come through us, and they they don't last very long. But we've uh, they have been uh, detected in cosmic rays, and they have a very weak interaction um, with anything. So they don't really they're they're also much like neutrinos, which just like fly right through us without even interacting at all. They don't even like. Neutrinos don't even know we're here. Muons are kind of like that. Uh, they don't, they're leptons, and uh, all leptons, they do not undergo strong interactions. Um, that's cool. I actually didn't know that before I read this today. Uh, leptons, like electrons, they don't uh, feel the strong force. The strong force is what keeps, uh, uh, you know, like... Uh, uh, nuclei that keeps a nucleus together protons and neutrons uh, uh, which are made of quarks they feel the strong force and they feel uh, a very strong attraction to each other they're very fond of each other and when they get close together like in a neutron they stick really well and it takes a lot of energy and it releases a lot of energy when you pull them apart a lepton doesn't feel that a lepton can Go waltz right up to a neutron and feel nothing. Has no feelings whatsoever about the neutron. Okay, so that's what we're talking about. Here's, uh, by the way, from Wikipedia, a list of quarks, up, down, strange, charm, top, bottom. Here's a list of electrons, which are not quarks, but are fundamental policy, uh, particles nonetheless. Electron, muon, tau. Electron neutrino, muon neutrino, tau neutrino. Um, neutrinos uh, go real fast. There used to be, uh, they, they used to think maybe they were faster than light, 
But no, nothing is yet. Okay, so what happened? Well, two things happened in the past uh, month. One at CERN and one at Fermilab in Chicago, near Chicago. Um, Fermilab, okay, so the Fermilab announced results Wednesday. Um, They, they, they find that the the uh, 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 the spit of the muon is a little bit off okay um, it was uh, I think it was it's point one percent off what the standard model predicts okay so the, the we have formulas that predict what particles are going to act like and the magnetic, the preliminary results suggest that the magnetic spin of muons is 0.1% off with standard model. So, and as it says here, that might not sound like much, but to, part of physics, to particle physicists, it is huge. Now, we don't know for sure that this one, this 0.1% is there it could be experimental error but they they've done this many many times and um they they think we'll talk about the the uh, deviation of error i think in the in the next article on this but uh they think they have a very it's very likely that there's something here that they don't know about um what was the uh the cern one let's look at this cern found it's described as tantalizing hints of new physics okay um, they're analyzing particles containing uh, what are the six known flavors of quark uh, bottom quarks are heavier uh, okay the, the the standard model says that electrons and muons should be produced at roughly the same rate in the decays in in these uh, 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 explosions, these these collisions that they're doing at the CERN uh, particle accelerator in Europe, and they aren't okay. They said that the electrons and muons should be produced at the same rate, and they're not. That's weird because um, the math doesn't lie. Math is math, and it should tell you uh, the uh, 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 how many uh, percentage of muons and electrons that you're going to see and they are saying that it's off something's wrong there's something else here what is it we'll get into it in a second um here, here's uh, uh reporting uh, uh statistical significance or, or this is this is the uh um the sh the, sh the how how uh how confident scientists are that they're seeing something and not just statistical anomaly or something. Um, three sigma is uh, the st statistical significance that there are now. Three sigma amounts to a probability about one in thousand that a pattern, that a weird pattern just caused this and there's nothing there, okay? It's a one in a thousand chance. If you rolled a thousand-sided dice and got as double zero, then 
Do you, is there a double zero and a thousand sided dice? I don't know. She should look look that up. Um, uh, um, somebody send. Do you have who? If you have a thousand sided dice, send it to me, and I'll look for the zeros. Uh, five, five sigma is the goal. Five sigma means a probability of one in three point five million. Um, I don't know why you know four sigma is just uh, 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 left out of the conversation. It must be somewhere in the middle. But what they they have now is a one in a thousand chance that this is real. And, uh, I mean, basically, it's a nine hundred ninety nine and a thousand chance that this is real. It's a one in a thousand chance that this is fake. That I'm mean, not fake. It's not that they faked it. It is a one in a thousand chance that it's a fluke of data. Uh, kind of like if you if you if you flip a coin three times in a row, it's very possible to get three heads in a row. Now that's not enough data to to say, oh, this coin only lands on heads. You'd have to do it like a thousand times, and 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 then you'd have more statistical assurance uh, of what was happening. So what they're saying is they're looking. They need five sigma assurance. Uh, they need more assurance. Someone please assure CERN uh, in their work. And the same is, is true of Fermilab. Uh, here's a nice picture of Fermilab. I used to drive by this building uh, on the way to Chicago. If you wanted to know where I grew up, it was uh, on the other side of Fermilab from Chicago, roughly. Oh, here's a picture, Batavia, Illinois. Um, so let's see one in four, currently there's a one in 40,000 chance that the result uh, this is the Fermilab result remember there's two different results we're talking about the Fermilab result is uh, a 4.1 sigma all right even better that means there's only a one in 40,000 chance that it's a fluke probably not a fluke I mean that's really good uh, they're still going for level five level five sigma is when everyone in the all the other scientists in the world stop uh, uh, telling you that you don't know what you're doing. Okay, you, you just keep doing your experiments. Uh, you 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 got to climb that sigma ladder, uh, and once you get up to five, everybody goes, "Okay, good job, you found something." Now, uh, uh, so what does this mean? This means that there's a wobble, that there's a little bit of, of a, a something, an unexpected thing happening to the muon spin it could be uh another particle it could be another force uh this could have to do with dark matter or dark energy we don't really know dark energy is just uh something used to describe um why the universe is expanding when it doesn't seem that it should be uh there's some sort of energy there that we don't understand it could be the thing that's making this muon uh, uh, wobble is it when it spins um, what else it could be uh, some other uh, particle uh, some force of nature that's completely new to science it says here um, uh, theoretical, uh, theoretical physics believe that it might be associated with an as yet undiscovered subatomic particle. There's more con more than one concept uh, for what this might be. Uh, one is called a leptoquark. It's uh, uh, which is uh, what happens when a quark mates with a leopard. 
You get a leptocork. Uh, another is the Z prime boson. Um, remember that CERN was the place that found the Higgs boson not too long ago. Um, maybe we found the Z boson. Um, or it could be a fifth force. There's four forces. What are the four forces? Strong force, weak force, electromagnetic force, and gravitational force. Those are the only four forces that we know of that make things uh, interact at a distance. This could be the fifth one. Uh, the ideas that this professor uh, has, Professor Alanach has for the fifth force are the flavor force. Okay, I like that, flavor force. Third family hyperforce, ooh, kind of cool, a little wordy. How about just hyperforce? And mo uh, most prosaic of all, the B, of all, the B minus L2 force. Uh, for those people who uh, speak leet speak. So that's it. Something weird is happening in physics. Oh, this is this an article on this from Scientific America, and I just wanted to pull it up and show this one quote that I had a problem with. My feeling is that there's nothing new under the sun, says Tommaso Dorigo, an experimental physicist at the University of Padua in Italy. <laughs> okay, there, that's patently false. There are many new things under the sun all the time, including in physics, and uh, it's very likely that there's more things to find in physics. Uh, what a silly thing to say. But you might remember that I, I believe it was the University of Padua in Italy was where uh, they reported a few years back that that neutrinos that they recorded neutrinos going faster than light, meaning somehow the neutrinos were ending up in their uh, in their collectors before they pressed the button to send them. Um, it turned out to be bunk. It was an error. They got it wrong. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Professor Dorigo in Padua. But there are new things under the sun, and we might be on the uh, the brink of some cool new physics coming out. One more thing before we go. Our final segment. Bye for now. There's a freaking helicopter on freaking Mars. This is cool. Here's the here's the video behind me of the first flight of the of the uh, uh, Ingenuity drone. It's called. It's really just a helicopter. Uh, it, it's basically uh, 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 the toy I've wanted since we used to call them uh, RC helicopters in the '90s, and I still don't have one. But Mars has one now. All right. Hey, NASA, how about you send me a, a drone before you send one to Mars? It would be so much cheaper. It would only cost like a hundred bucks to send me a drone um, and, 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 and millions to send it to Mars. But I guess probably would be less of a, uh, a news story if NASA sent me a drone. Okay, now we're looking at, this is interesting. This is a little 
angering because they have an animation on the NASA website. Uh, I'm looking at mars.nasa.gov. They have an animation of how the drone works with the Perseverance rover in the background. This is not real. This is 3D animation of how it would look if you were there and had a sky crane to follow it uh, on its path. See the moving camera. Ridiculous. This is why people think uh, uh, NASA makes up things. They don't make up things. You just have to be smart enough to see that this is an animation. Whereas, next page, here is, oh, an image from the air. This is an image, and you can look at this up if you're listening to the podcast. It's very cool. Look up the image. Snapped from the air, from the drone. You can see tracks uh, 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 from the drover. Uh, uh, from from the Perseverance rover driving around and I think you can even see wait let's go back to that I think you can even see the spot where it was where the helicopter was dropped off um, and it drove away well you can see tracks going away from it um, that's cool here's the first flight it uh, uh, went up about 10 feet hovered for about 30 seconds and went right back down really cool uh so we have you can see here two counter rotating uh big big uh, uh rotors big uh blades and it's a very small light package and the reason that uh, that this was uh partial part of the reason that th this was such a uh an amazing uh thing is because the air is so thin on mars they have way thinner air than us um and so those blades have to spin really super fast and push a lot of air down to make this thing go up. The other thing to remember here is this is not a manned flight, like meaning th there's no, uh, obviously there's no uh, man in there. They did, if you thought that they did, they did not shrink down and send a tiny man uh, or woman to Mars. Um, but also, no, there's no human with a control panel in their hand going up and down because there's a you know four to eight minute lag there's eight eight light minutes or, or something like that let's say five there's about five light minutes to and from mars so um it may be seven and a half minutes because they always say seven and a half minutes of terror that that's the time that it takes for a signal to get from mars back to here it's also the time it takes for our signal to get to mars so you can't fly a helicopter from here with a controller in real time you can't move a button that says go left right because it would take seven minutes for it to do that um and then it would take seven more minutes so like 15 minutes for you to see what you just had done so what is happening here that's there's pre-programmed obviously uh, flight plans for this thing and it's got um, a little bit of AI I don't know how intelligent it is but it flies itself basically they say hey uh, tomorrow afternoon uh, spin up your rotors fly up 10 feet hover for 30 seconds and go back down and then they just sit here and wait <laughs> to see if it followed those instructions after the fact or if it blew up and here's a picture of a bunch of orange shirts at NASA, uh, at, at, uh, JPL, I believe, uh, celebrating because uh, they did 
a fucking awesome thing. Here's a picture of the helicopter uh, 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 shadow picture taken uh, uh, from the helicopter of its own shadow and now now you can see the uh, rover tracks which uh, basically if they drove by dropped the rover drove up dropped off the helicopter and took off and they they say that they, they want the rover actually to be at a safe distance when this happens because it's likely that they'll crash the, the drone at some point um, let's look forward to them crashing the drone but it's almost inevitable because, well, uh, uh, not because it's a crappy drone. It's because they're going to push it to its limit. They want to see how much they can get out of it, how many things they can do. They'll probably do some uh, uh, increasingly uh, uh, cool maneuvers and uh, until one day it's going to go uh, kerplunk and land on uh, the neighbor's roof and you'll never get it back because the neighbor is mean and he shoots kids that go on his roof okay here's the video again um, not only has it flown once but I just found out today uh, second higher flight it's flown twice now uh, this is as of uh, April 24th the ingenuity has flown successfully two times uh, the second time it took this color image you can see here of the uh, ground from the air. There's uh, another footage uh, a video taken from the rover. Uh, hey, focus, it just went out of frame and back, but um, they could have uh, planned that a little better. Um, third flight is scheduled for Sunday um, let's see let's find out let's see what the second flight happened uh, okay the rover is a safe uh, position more than 200 feet away like I said in case it crashes um, second flight lasted 52 seconds all right almost a minute it went higher to an altitude of 16 feet, 5 meters, 16 feet slash or 5 meters. Um, tilted. Oh, here's a new maneuver. It tilted at an angle of 5 degrees to move laterally about 7 feet. Cool. Can we see that in the video? So this time it not only, uh, see, it was cut off. It flew up too high and then uh, the ingenuity wasn't seeing it anymore and then it came back down so it went up it went sideways hovered came back down like I said more and more complicated maneuvers each time until I'm sure they're, they'll it'll, it'll crash in a uh, miraculous and fabulous fireball explosion on Mars that's what we have to look forward to And that's our show. This has been Science AF, the uh, uh, erstwhile podcast. But uh, I think if you're listening to the podcast, you realize that more and more I'm doing visual stuff because uh, 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 making content for the YouTube page. Look for Science AF on YouTube for video shorts. Also, you can go to uh, 
uh, gravyday.com to see science shorts, science AF shorts. You can Venmo at Gravy Day if you want to support. You can go to our patreon.com slash gravy day uh, to support that channel as well. And there's an Etsy shop, etsy.com slash shop slash gravy day. It really doesn't have science AF stuff, but it has some uh, things for sale, some merch. Go check it out if you're so inclined or don't. I'm not going to um, uh, uh, hound you about it. Thank you for listening. If you are, if you're not listening, no thanks to you. I am Dr. Chacho, and I'm not a doctor. Uh, tip char, incidentally, gravity.com slash tip slash Chacho. You can always go there if you have, uh, you know, uh, uh, one to uh, uh, $10,000 burning a hole in your pocket. You can tip me. Actually, if it's going to be 10000 you should email first because um, we can do <laughs> you, you can pay me that with without the commission. <laughs> The commission, the tip jar takes a slight commission. It's great for dollars. If it's going to be ten thousand, hey, let's skip the commission. Okay, I'm at Chacho at Dave Chacho on all social media at Science AF Pod is the podcast on social media and scienceafpod.com is the website. Uh, Dave at Science AF Pod. If you want to email me, is that all the things I'm going to say? Science AF. It is. Science AF. Here's that song again. Science Here's AF. that. Science AF. Hep, hep. Science cool AF. beat. Science this is our show. Fuck. Goodbye and good night. And good looking out. Is that a good catch catchphrase? Sign off. Good looking out. Dr. Chacho, out. Not a doctor. <laughs>